Hello. How are you doing? This situation is affecting all of us in different ways. You may be ill. You may have loved ones who are ill, perhaps with COVID-19. You may have lost someone who's died as a result of the disease. You may be working on the front line, or as I do, you may have family members who are working in high-risk environments. You may be alone, you may be feeling isolated, or you may be struggling with a lack of space in your house because you're now homeschooling children at the same time as working and doing life from home. You may be facing financial pressures and worries, or you may be filled with anxiety as you watch these events unfold. These are extremely difficult times for us all. And in times like this, some people turn to God. Here at Trent and other churches around the nations, we've seen more people joining us here on Sundays than we ever saw coming to our physical building. And we've been so grateful to be able to serve you by putting these services online. Some of you may have never stepped into a church before. Uh, but you may be looking for answers, and we are so glad that you are here with us. Some people turn towards God. Others maybe turn away from God. People may be asking questions like, you know, how could God allow this? Where is God in this pandemic? Why hasn't he intervened to stop it? Some of you watching today may be saying, you know, I cannot understand how a God of love could let this happen. You may have seen, as I have, some people, even some Christian leaders saying God is angry with us, that this is his judgment, and wondering, is that true? Just two weeks ago, a politician in Northern Ireland said that coronavirus is God's judgment for their having passed immoral laws. One leader on American television said this pandemic is God's judgment, and he pointed his finger at another religion for their opposition to Jesus. Yesterday, I read this little book, which was quickly written and published by the author John Lennox. It's called, Where is God in a Coronavirus World? It has some great insights. I'd encourage you to get hold of that if you can. He comments on the suggestion that pandemics are a direct judgment of God saying this is a very crude response that causes a lot of unnecessary hurt. I agree with him, and I agree with what Tear Fund published. Any suggestion that coronavirus is some kind of divine judgment is fundamentally at odds with God's character. If you've been searching for answers, you may have found yourself looking at different articles or different YouTube videos and perhaps discovered that there are almost as many opinions uh, as there are articles and videos. And once you get browsing YouTube, it can be so easy just to watch the next video that comes up. I would caution you against doing that, given some of the ill-informed stuff which is out there. Three people I really would recommend on this question, and indeed many other questions, would be Tim Keller, Ravi Zacharias, and Tom Wright. Basically, anything that you hear from any of those guys is going to be insightful. Tim Keller, Ravi Zacharias, and Tom Wright. The question of why bad things like this pandemic happen are, are not simple to answer. Theologians have wrestled with these questions around why God allows suffering for, for centuries. 
And in the short time we have together, I can't hope to more than just touch the uh, surface of some of those questions. I don't want to fob you off with glib answers or with complicated theological explanations, because in difficult times like this, theological explanations don't speak to the mother whose son just died this week in intensive care. Understanding the depths of biblical teaching is helpful in giving perspective, but doesn't really bring much comfort to the grieving daughter whose father passed away without her being able to visit his bedside. Whether this question is for you an intellectual one, which it would be great to hear an answer to, or whether you are so racked with pain and tears right now that you can hardly think, I hope what I say today will be helpful to you. Let me begin by offering a little bit of perspective on what the Bible does say about why suffering happens. God created the world beautifully and created us to have relationship with him and to rule the earth under him. But humans decided to do their own thing rather than living life in deference to God. And sin not only disrupted our relationship with God and with each other, the earth lost out on the perfect way it was designed to function. As a result of sin, all the bad stuff we encounter entered the world, including disease, pain, death, and destruction. The Bible tells us that the creation was subjected to frustration. This is not the way it is supposed to be. It's fair to say, I think, that God is frustrated and we are frustrated. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because in so many ways, God's will is not being done. God did not send the coronavirus. It's the result of the messed up world that we are living in. And so we live in this tension. The kingdom of God is here, but yet it's not fully here. We live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. God's will being done and God's will not being fully done. As I've thought this week about how God feels as he sees his creation suffering through this pandemic, I was drawn to an incident recorded for us in John's Gospel. Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were friends of Jesus. And Jesus receives a message that Lazarus is gravely ill. And by the time he and his disciples arrive at Lazarus's home, he's been dead and buried for four days. On his arrival, in her grief, Mary says to Jesus, why didn't you come sooner? If you'd been here, he would not have died. Jesus could, at that point, have given an in-depth theological response. He knew the perspective of God. He knew the whole picture. What he did instead is much more profound. The shortest verse in the Bible is found in this passage. It's just two words long. John eleven, thirty-five. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus grieved. He shared personally in the grief of Lazarus's family and village. 
The Bible is clear that when we see Jesus, we see the perfect reflection, perfect representation of God the Father. God weeps over the suffering in this broken world. His heart breaks for the families and friends of those who have died and will die from COVID-19. He has compassion on those who are anxious and feeling isolated. He shares the concerns of those who are facing significant financial challenges. His heart breaks over the state our nations are in. God mourns with those who mourn. Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthian church this. Corinthians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. In the midst of suffering, God is there to comfort us. Any of us who are parents or carers or uncles and aunties know those times when a child touches something that's too hot or they fall over and they graze their knee. And our first response is to scoop them up in our arms and comfort them in any way that we can, to kiss it better and to tell them it's okay, I'm here. I can't take the pain away, but I'm here holding you. God is the perfect parent, the perfect carer, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And he wants to scoop us up in our suffering, hold us close and tell us, I'm here. In these times of suffering, he's here for us. I recently read this little extract from a letter from an air raid warden in the Second World War, which he wrote to his wife. During the night, I visit the sleeping people in shelters. I never speak, only stand and inspect them, but they all say they feel my presence, even in the darkness. They know the familiar sound of my walk and the soft tread of my gumboots. I never wake them, just stand in the dim light of a nightlight. If one wants to talk, they whisper. One girl was awake in the shelter for 60 with 140 in it, huddled in heaps on the floor. She looked up and said, hold my hand, sir, just for a minute. I said, of course. After a while, she just pressed it into her face and said, I feel better now. I haven't seen my man for three months and I'm going to have a baby. I just wanted to feel a man's hand against my face. That's a picture of how God is present in our suffering. He quietly watches over us, ready to reach out his hand when we ask for it. We live in a world in which God does not always deliver people from pain. That's not the world we live in. It certainly would be easier, as one writer, Philip Yancey, said, to have God step in and to eliminate all our pain. But he writes, but instead he stands in front of us with arms open, asking us to run to him. In suffering, in pain, in troubles, what God often offers people is open arms saying to us, run to me, run to me. 
Last week, Debbie shared with us the story of Easter. I believe that the message of Easter has never been more relevant than it is today. God came in the person of Jesus to die on a cross, to break the power of sin so that we could be reconciled with God. And his resurrection that we celebrated last Sunday promises that just as Jesus was raised to life, defeating the power of death, those who put their trust in him need not fear death because we are promised eternal life with him. As we saw earlier, it's like some seem to be suggesting that God so hated the world that he sent coronavirus. No. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And the verse following that, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's through the message of the cross that we can understand something of God's extravagant love for us. Paul puts it this way in his letter to the church in Rome, Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we had our backs turned to him, living life our own way rather than his, he suffered on our behalf to make a way for us to be reconciled with God. He has made a way for what Revelation 21 promises, the very last page pretty much in the Bible here. And in verse 4 it says this, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The cross reminds us that God can take the worst thing in history and transform it into something utterly extraordinary. Jesus suffered and died for us. Good Friday happened, but so did Easter Sunday. God turned the greatest tragedy into the greatest victory. God will do good things through this terrible season. No matter what the enemy intends for harm, God can turn it round and work good out of it. It may be that rather than asking, where is God in this? How could God allow this pandemic? The question we should be asking is, where am I personally in relation to God? God didn't send this pandemic, but he's wanting to work through it to bring people into relationship with him. And those things which have been so relied on for security are being shaken, particularly health and wealth. And he's wanting those who don't know him to put their trust in him. This is a time for all of us to ask questions about our own personal lives, to reflect on the things that God would want to say to us. I hope it's helpful to you to know that the Christian faith does offer a perspective on why bad things happen. We're given insights into the problem of suffering which other worldviews simply don't provide. We're not left alone swimming in doubts and confusion as we face the question this pandemic throws up. As we consider the question, where is God in a coronavirus world? Two things you, can, you and I can have absolute clarity on is that he knows what it is to suffer and that he is with us. As we saw earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we know the Father of compassion and the God of, our, of all comfort, 
who comforts us in our troubles. We know him. And that verse goes on so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Whatever questions we have, some of which we will not in this life have clarity on, what we do know is that the God of all comfort has his arms wide open to us. Every one of us, whether we have yet put our trust in Jesus or not, he's longing to scoop us up and to comfort us. And as we experience that comfort, let us look for opportunities to represent him well. And wherever the Lord gives us opportunity to share that comfort with others.